1: Bring in show music, please.
0: This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, we've got the latest COVID news, parts of China on lockdown. Dr. Scott Gottlieb weighs in.
2: I do think China, probably among countries in the world, is the most vulnerable to COVID right now. At some point, they're going to have to normalize travel. They can't keep restricting the ability of their own citizens to travel out of the country.
0: Plus, a big deal for big tech and gaming, Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard, and billionaire Chamath Palihapitiya triggering a backlash for his company on human rights in China.
3: If there wasn't that quote in The Godfather, I don't know what I'd say, but we're all part of the same hypocrisy.
0: And some binge watching this long weekend, but at what cost?
4: If you even just do all the streaming services right now, it's more expensive than the cable box used to be.
0: It's Tuesday, January 18th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now.
5: Stand Becky by in three, two, one, cue a
4: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin.
3: Researchers in uh, Israel releasing new data suggesting that a fourth vaccine dose had limited success in combating Omicron. A hospital in that country uh, began administering the additional jabs of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines to nearly 300 medical workers last month. Uh, The trial found that an increase. Uh, In the antibodies was slightly higher than after the third dose, uh, but not enough to prevent the spread of Omicron. Back here in the U.S., the COVID surge that's been fueled by this variant is uh, showing some signs of slowing in in areas hit hard earlier. Uh, Data shows New York, Maryland, Connecticut, New Jersey, and Washington, D.C. have all seen dramatic drops in new cases and hospitalizations recently uh, following that spike. I'm ready to, you know, Omicron, go away, don't come back another day. Now I'm worried about another variant, but um, hopefully Omicron, or Omicron will, will uh, give some type of protection against the next, I, I mean, we've been around a long time as a species and there have been scourges in the past, there have, but I don't know of there hasn't been that many times where something like a coronavirus keeps getting worse in terms of virulence. You know, we've got some historical hope that it can get endemic. The question the question
1: is, and Scott Gottlieb was talking about this just yesterday, is, you know, if you build a if you build a vaccine that's Omicron specific for the fall. And in fact, we do get a new variant. You're going to be back in the soup. The question is whether you just have another version of Omicron that's even less, um, uh, you know, less virulent in the fall. I do think, by the way, Joe and Becky, I don't know if you feel this way. Look at the numbers. In the next two and a half weeks in this area, we may be back to sort of early December Thanksgiving time in terms of where where the virus was. Not true everywhere in the country. And I think that people have to appreciate there's still a back end to this. Um, You you often hear, oh, it's peaked. And I think some people say, "Okay, I can go outside now and do everything I was doing exactly I was doing before. I don't know about that, but we're getting close. Yeah, I've been doing that for a while.
3: I mean, Omicron, um, Omicron. You know, lucky to have boosters and vaccines and everything, I guess, because I don't think it's, it's not that much different than a bad cold. I, I mean, it, 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 it's nothing to, to sneeze at, so to speak, and you got to take it seriously, obviously. But uh, the next variant, if it's similar to Omicron and keeps getting less virulent, we can live with this year after year like the flu or something. And Hopefully it's, it will be uh, endemic. At that point, that's that we gotta hope for that. We got unless you never want to see another Broadway play or never want to, you know. I, I, I still feel bad about kids. I, 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 what did Jen Saki said something like, "I take the mask off so people can understand me." It's like, yeah, well, what about the kids in school and class? It's hard. How do you get a five-year-old to wear a mask? That must be mine just mine. Does a, I've, I've got the, a five-year-old. Actually, kids are, kids are just, good she does at it. too. Right? Yeah. It's, it, do you have to explain? What about the, like, three or four? No. It must be tough. Kids, no? I,
4: Kids are, I mean, she started wearing it when she was four, and yeah. you know, kids, I, I think, pick up new habits probably more easily than a lot of the rest of us do, so yeah. they're okay with it. Well. Um, it's not like she loves wearing it. She doesn't like when I wear it. She wants it off my face, but really? she's okay with it.
3: Listen, we need some breaking news.
1: Straight up on Becky.
4: This is some big news that's coming out right now. It looks like... Um, Microsoft is going to be buying Activision Blizzard. It looks like this is news that's just coming out. And just reading you through some of the headlines on this, Bobby Kotick is going to continue to serve as the CEO of Activision Blizzard. Reading through some more news as this is hitting the wires right now. Microsoft's going to be acquiring Activision Blizzard for $95 a share, this says, in an all-cash transaction that's valued at $68.7 billion. So that's a big premium, guys. That's a premium of about 45%. Um, watching what happens with this, and obviously there's been a lot of news, gentlemen, uh, coming out about Activision Blizzard. Those shares have been down pretty sharply as this news has come out over the last several months. Andrew?
1: The, I was going to say, the stock down about 20 had been down about 27 percent in large yeah. part because of the controversy uh, that we'd seen in the, in the Wall Street Journal and reports about uh, workplace culture. I would argue to you, Microsoft buying this company at this price uh, is a bit of a rebuff, if you will... Uh, about some of those reports or at least an acceptance uh, that the culture uh, is acceptable to them. Of course, they've had their own challenges uh, just last week saying, saying that they were going to be looking into their own workplace culture. But this does appear to be a big win uh, for, for Bobby Kotick. Of course, the big question that I, I'm looking at right now is just whether regulators will ultimately approve a transaction like this you know, under the sort of traditional antitrust theory uh, Mm -hmm. between Microsoft and and Activision, it's still a very small market share. This is a very fractured marketplace. But you've seen the Biden administration uh, take a much more aggressive approach to antitrust and a much more sort of all-encompassing approach. Meanwhile, Microsoft has remained largely outside of the sort of target of Washington in large part because it dealt with that, if is you this will, a, a metaverse uh, more than two uh, decades ago. Is, number
3: one, it's a, a metaverse play. I don't know. Yeah. We're all going to be playing Huge around. Huge metaverse right? play. I think. I mean, that's, Sachin I Nadella think, from has a kind of hinted at this. Yes, Sachin, Sachin, Sachin
4: Nadella has, has hinted at this.
3: I don't know whether you guys saw, saw the journal this morning, but talk about mm. a kitchen sink uh, cleaning house. Did you know that it was like how many people were at Activision that did you see that today in the journal? The dad, I mean, yes, how many the people? Are, I did. So they're cleaning the decks, and it, now it's all dressed up, I guess, and ready for sale. But there were how many people? Did they say they had to, to deal with? They got rid of a, like dozens of people, and then they they actually had to speak to or take action on another forty or fifty people. So it's kind of interesting. They get that done, and then this happens. So and Bobby's still still left standing, but a lot of people are. Uh, off with their heads they're done at that at that company so maybe it's maybe, well, all the, maybe it's all taken tolerance. care of
4: right you want to talk about zero tolerance and right. watching kind of a, a changing culture that's something that Bobby's been talking about for a while is making sure that they are very clear and upfront with some of these things there's obviously been pressure to do just that and um, as andrew mentioned microsoft has its own issues to deal with they've got an external investigation that they announced last week that's been brought there because of shareholder pressure to come up against that too Um, but this is a big deal and i think you're right joe to go straight to the metaverse um, and try and think about what this means if you have this content And you have the resources of Microsoft to put it back together. I mean, I think that that is pretty important probably, too. And why you would see such a big premium, although, again, the stock, Activision Blizzard, down by about 27% year to date. uh, $95 a share does put that back up (laughs) in a big way, kind of looking at the overall valuation of the company, too.
1: Look, I was going to make two other points related to this, which is it catapults them way ahead of Facebook, almost immediately, if, if you think about it, in terms of just the context here. Uh, Facebook's wanted to dominate the, the metaverse by having these games. I think that's a almost required component now of the metaverse. I should also tell you, and I'm trying to look through the th- through, through the, what's coming out here, uh, source is telling me, and I, I, I imagine we're going to be seeing this soon, uh, that there is a breakup fee, and it is huge, uh, something on the order of $3 billion dollars, uh, which would demonstrate their confidence that Washington would uh, accept a transaction like this again, though, I think it's going to be very it 's going to be a long slog um, and really puts Microsoft back in the spotlight in Washington in a way that it hasn 't been in many, many years
4: yeah, I, Washington, the regulators have kind of been spoiling for a fight, and you wonder if this is something that they're gonna go after. Um, you've seen a lot of other companies that feel like, okay, we're not even gonna try and make a deal in this environment. You wonder what the test is going to be, what the test case will be, and that, I guess this could potentially be just that.
1: Joe, are you, uh, are you up for paying 20 bucks a month for, uh, for Netflix?
3: I thought it was, uh, I thought they only went up, what, what price did I see? It looked like it was going up a dollar or something. I, I, um, I'd pay anything for Netflix, <laughs> I think. Okay.
4: I, they've, they've done this in the past. I think if it's only like a dollar or $2 a month, then that is a, a different scenario than when they've jacked prices before. Um, and I think you're probably right. I think they have a little more price sensitivity, or less price sensitivity, more price elasticity than they've had in the past.
3: Yeah, there's still not enough to watch. Uh, I saw some... getting,
1: on the high end, it's now getting close to 20 bucks a month. And I, I think that there's got to be an upper limit there, especially when you start to think that, at some point, the other streamers are going to have to start moving their but, numbers up to make any of this make any sense. You know.
3: Well, we're lucky, uh, you know, obviously, because we're in a position where, where that's not a lot of money to us. But I, for what I use Netflix for, that's like the the, the greatest deal uh, on the planet. That's like that's like one movie, Andrew. I mean, there's so many. What I saw, I saw a great. Uh Jane Campion movie about John Keats. I saw uh Power of the that's another Jane Campion of uh, uh Power of the Dog. I mean, there's so much there. I saw The Torso Killer, which all of that happened in Times Square. Did you see yeah. that's a Ron Howard Brian Grazer thing no. it, and it all happened in Times Square. This was deep, man. I mean, all you found, right. huh? Yeah, <laughs> happened
4: <laughs> <laughs> Times well, Square.
3: Times Square is Disneyland now. It used to be yeah. Sodom uh, and Gomorrah all rolled into one. Anyway, it was great. Still no, is uh, before
4: uh, four a.m. here.
3: But we digress. Yeah, Andrew, at, the, the Netflix is. They lost me great. on that shot. Really? The, you 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 did you you, you stopped getting Netflix because it's twenty because it's fifteen dollars?
1: No, I'm saying it's going up to twenty. But at some point, if you're gonna hold on to cable, and this is the other question, if you're holding on to cable plus plus you're putting all of these services on top
4: it's so At much more point, expensive if you, the if dam you do is even break. just all the if you even just do all the streaming services right now it's more expensive right. than the cable box used to be that's i was thinking about that this weekend I, going through cuz i've got every service
3: i still need more i still need more <laughs> i need more co- and i'm going to make one more confession before we get serious i watch MeTV tv now and i watch what is that i watch gunsmoke and i watch Bonanza. <laughs> And I watched the <laughs> Rifleman. I loved the Rifleman. I loved him when, I, when he was a kid, and I love him now. Rolling, Chuck Connors. Rolling,
4: rolling.
0: Chuck, Chuck Connors was six rolling. six.
3: Basketball, baseball. He was he was really cool. Chuck Connors went to Seton Hall. Did you know that, Becky? No, Chuck Connors. Do you remember? All right, let's go. My heart's Sorry. Up
0: laden, love my him. Love be waiting.
3: Johnny Crawford.
0: Next on Squawk Pod, we're headed to China. The country is on COVID lockdown just weeks before the Beijing Olympics. What's happening on the ground with CNBC's Eunice Yun and how China can rework its approach to the pandemic with Dr. Scott Gottlieb.
2: The live virus vaccines that China initially deployed seem to be even less effective against this new variant. So they're going to need to reformulate those vaccines as other countries are going to need to as well.
0: What's on the horizon for financial markets?
2: Andrew,
0: this is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin.
1: We're going to talk a little China just for a moment here because Beijing is now on high alert. This is just weeks ahead of the Winter Olympics after a case of the COVID Omicron variant was detected there. And Yunus Yun joins us now with more. Good morning, Eunice.
5: Good morning, Andrew. Well, because of that one uh, Omicron case, China has mandated that all companies that handle packages, including the one behind me... Oh, We have to make sure that they step up their disinfection. Uh, Authorities have suggested that the person who was sick uh, was infected by mail that she received via the United States from Canada. Now, this theory, which hasn't been confirmed yet by Chinese authorities, is related to a theme that we've heard quite a bit here in China that China has been pushing since the early days of the pandemic, that COVID um, has arrived, arrived in China Uh, through a cold chain and imported goods, mainly cold chain food, but possibly now uh, from uh, documents. Now, China is an outlier in the scientific community when it comes to this, but it does show that that even more heightened concerns that Beijing has about COVID spreading in the run-up to the Winter Olympic Games. Uh, Beijing has tightened travel restrictions even further into the capital, requiring COVID tests to get into the city and again after entry. Only three Omicron cases have been confirmed in the community, but entire buildings here uh, where the uh, cases reside have been shut down without warning to the people inside. Now, companies with facilities in nearby Tianjin, uh, such as Boeing, have said that uh, the community-level lockdowns impacted their staff. Of course, Tianjin is where Omicron was first detected. Um, Other companies complained that these new disinfection measures Um, are raising costs and also extending delivery times by weeks. And this, of course, comes at a time when the economy is slowing down. Other bad news uh, for anybody who had hoped to watch the Olympic Games here, uh, the Chinese government said that they are not going to be selling tickets to the Chinese public because they consider the pandemic to be severe and complex enough that they won't be selling to Chinese spectators, in addition to, as you guys well know, uh, not selling tickets to foreign spectators either.
4: Eunice, thank you very much. Let's bring in a, a guest to talk a little bit about all of these things that are happening here. We're joined right now by Dr. Scott Gottlieb, the former head of the FDA, also a CNBC contributor who serves on the boards of both Pfizer and Illumina. And Scott, you hear these extreme measures that China is taking to try and prevent the spread of COVID, zero tolerance as they call it. You also hear about some of these ideas that somebody got this through the mail. Does that sound at all plausible?
2: No, it doesn't sound plausible to me. It sounds like a lot of theater. They also uh, overnight culled um, more than 2,000 hamsters in Hong Kong and uh, other mammals and are banning the sale of mammals as pets because there was presumably someone who contracted the virus from from a hamster. Look, I don't think that this is sustainable. I don't think that they're going to be able to keep the virus out. They're playing whack-a-mole with it right now. It's a large country. There's a lot of people coming in and out. And one of the um, things is that they've restricted severely the ability of people to come in and out of China, including their own citizens, once they normalize some of, that, um, some of that movement, they're going to have this virus come into that country. And I think they ought to be thinking about how to deploy effective vaccines, get more people vaccinated, because there is some inevitability that this is going to spread around the world.
4: When you say effective vaccines, are you including Sinovac among them, the Chinese well, vaccine? Well, look,
2: the data that's come out Yeah, the data that's come out recently has demonstrated that that vaccine doesn't hold up well against Omicron. So even uh, that's also true in the United States. We've seen our vaccines um, have diminished utility, but that vaccine in particular, the live virus vaccines, that China initially deployed seem to be even less effective against this new variant. So they're going to need to reformulate those vaccines, as other, co- other countries are going to need to as well. Um, but it's going to be a bigger enterprise there, trying to get that entire population revaccinated with a vaccine that's going to be more effective. They probably have very little residual protection against Omicron from the vaccines that they've deployed.
4: I mean, you're talking about 1.4 billion people. We, we look at the problems we've had here with getting enough tests, with, with getting enough vaccines, with making sure that there's enough of the new treatments coming out, including from Pfizer and other companies. I mean, what, what happens when you ramp that up to such a larger population that does not have the same sort of natural immunity from having as many people getting it?
2: Yeah, that's right. Look, they've shown a better capability to systematize the delivery of these kinds of things, including the ability to get mass mass portions of their population tested. So if they have a more effective vaccine, I think they're going to be able to roll it out Uh, with some efficiency. Right now, they don't have that. I do think China, probably among countries in the world, is the most vulnerable to COVID right now, because, to your point, they've had very little spread within the country that we know of. And I think we would see it if there was more spread. Outside of Wuhan, the prevalence is very low, so there's not a lot of immunity in the population. And they've deployed vaccines that are going to be far less effective against Omicron. So they are very vulnerable. At some point, they're going to have to normalize travel. They can't keep restricting the ability of their own citizens to travel out of the country. They can't keep creating impediments for people Coming into that country, are also going to see their economy suffer. So, I do think they're going to have to normalize some, some level of travel. They probably have more spread right now than they're detecting. It does look like Omicron is starting to break out in certain parts of that country. It's not clear they can keep up with it. This is a highly contagious variant. Um, and they know what we know, which is once it gets into a densely populated area, it becomes very hard to control.
3: So, Scott, uh, we have some idea that maybe if you had Delta, you got some protection against. Omicron, if you got Omicron, maybe you have some protection against other strains uh, of COVID. So Fauci was out talking about future variants that could be problematic.
2: When you talk about whether or not Omicron, because it's a highly transmissible, but apparently not as pathogenic, for example, as Delta, I would hope that that's the case. But that would only be the case if we don't get another variant that eludes the immune response to the prior variant.
3: Is it your view that that this is how we get to an endemic COVID um, situation every year? Or do you think it might be different than past vir- viruses we've seen where a very virulent variant that's very contagious could come in future years? And would would we have any if you've seen Omicron, if you've seen Delta, would you have some immunity to it or, or maybe from the worst
2: case scenario,
3: in your view? I guess we, these are all questions we don't
2: know. Yeah, look, we've never seen a coronavirus undergo um, shift where you've seen a dramatic change in the virus itself and the strain of the virus. What you've seen is these viruses undergo drift. And that's, in fact, what we've seen. We've seen this virus continue to drift and undergo gradual um, evolution and that's how we've gotten these new variants there is a presumption that at some point we're going to have a dominant lineage we're going to have a dominant strain and future mutations will will occur within that lineage and omicron may be it it may be delta it's unclear i think the conventional wisdom right now is it's likely to be omicron and that we're going to be formulating vaccines against that variant going forward but that's going to continue to evolve too in ways that try to partially evade our immune system and it's probably going to achieve some some new fitness level and that's that's why we're going to have have to re- re-inoculate the population, at least for a period of time. Whether or not we build up enough immunity that we get to an endemic state where this becomes a low-prevalence virus, I think that's probably the case. But that, that remains to be seen. We're not certain about that. I think the, the worrisome scenario is that you get something that represents divergent evolution, like Omicron did, where you get something dramatically different than the variants that are circulating right now. Um, most people think that's unlikely to happen, but most people felt it was, including me, most people felt it was unlikely to happen before, and that Delta would be the dominant lineage. And then Omicron came along. It had been mutating in a sequestered pocket somewhere and then reemerged into the human circulation.
3: The, the, so there's some positive uh, signs about where Omicron started, uh, like we saw in the other places around the world, it started and it tailed off. Is it still possible that this will be a positive for the pandemic itself in that Omicron is signaling the the end stages of of the pandemic and that so many people I don't know what the eventually who, who's going to have Omicron but it's it seems to be everywhere is is it possible to be hopeful that this is the end stage of the pandemic Omicron that it represents that or now do we think it doesn't
2: Yeah, look, I think the base case is that this signals the end of the pandemic phase of this virus. It doesn't signal the elimination of this virus from human circulation. We're going to have to deal with this as a respiratory pathogen. But there's so much immunity in the population now between the big Delta wave that we have now, the Omicron wave and vaccination as well on top of that that you're hard pressed to see how something can rip through the population with the same speed and efficiency that Omicron did, barring something really unconventional, getting a dramatic change in this virus. And we've now seen a lot of the diversity from this virus, a lot of the different ways that this virus can mutate. We've seen through these successive um, variations that we've we've incurred at this point. There is some belief that um, Omicron Omicron provides protection against Delta in the setting of vaccination. So people who are vaccinated either before or after they get Omicron seem to have pretty broad immunity. But people who are only infected by Omicron and were never infected by Delta previously probably don't have as strong immunity against Delta. So that's going to be a little bit of a concern going forward. Now, that's probably a small pocket of people at this point, because most people who've been unvaccinated probably had both Delta and Omicron.
4: Scott, there were some headlines about Pfizer's um, oral treatment for, for COVID and the effectiveness that it's found even in cases of Omicron, too. Can you tell us just a little bit more about that?
2: Well, look, I didn't see the headline that crossed, but the data does show, um, and this might be clinical data that, that, that is out in the public domain right now, but prior data did show that the drug should be equally effective against Omicron. There was no reason to believe that it was going to have diminished effectiveness against Omicron or other um, versions of the coronavirus. What we had seen in the clinic and in laboratories was that if if the virus mutated its protease, so this drug targets protease, which is an enzyme that the virus uses to replicate, and if the virus somehow mutates its protease in a way that can evade the drug, it becomes a much less efficient virus. So we felt that the protease inhibitor and the way it was formulated in the virus and the way the drug targeted it was something that was innate to the function of the virus and really couldn't change.
4: Dr. Gottlieb, thank you uh, for joining us today. As always, lots of headlines to run through, and we appreciate your time.
2: Thanks a
3: lot. Cheese will be next. This next story, major, a lot to talk about with this. Major hitting the fan, though. Polyhapatia, the billionaire investor, Chamath Palihapitiya.
0: Tech investor and part owner of the Golden State Warriors, Chamath Palihapitiya, under some fire for comments he made about the Uyghur genocide in China. That story is next.
1: Watch the tape.
4: I watched it. I did.
1: There's no denying what he's meaning. And there's there's no denying that the apology can't even be an apology.
6: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you.
0: You're listening to Squawk Pod.
3: Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Joe Kernan along with Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Billionaire investor Chamath Palihapitiya is clarifying, clarifying, clarifying. Uh, people always clarify uh, remarks that he made over the weekend that unleashed social media backlash on his podcast. He said, um, nobody cares about human rights abuses against the Uyghurs in China. He said, I'd rather not lie to you and tell you the truth. It's not a priority for me. He I know, he said something like there are all these things that he worries about and that didn't come close to making the list. Why would it, though? If, if you haven't been to China, you're not a Uyghur, haven't seen what's happening, I guess it's easy to just compartmentalize that. Uh, and maybe if you don't believe it. If you don't believe it's happening, fine. But if you really do know what's happening, would you really say something like that? In a tweet last night, he said, uh, in, re- in, in re-listening to this week's podcast, hmm, I recognize that I come across as lacking empathy. I acknowledge that entirely to be clear. My belief is that human rights matter, whether in China, the United States or elsewhere, full stop. Okay, but uh, I thought it was just kind of weird guys that it's there are a lot of basketball fans, I <laughs> yeah. guess. in I China. The there's right. like, there's more basketball yeah. fans than we have people in the United States. There's got to be something to that, that, that when you I have seen, think, uh, but, but no, maybe not in this case, maybe not in this case, right. but, but in the Houston Rockets case and in some of the other oh, things that we've seen, sure. there's just no doubt. Well, Andrew, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. At least there was some rationale for him saying know. that otherwise. Oh, no, no, no. Watch the tape. I don't know how clarify the, it
4: because I watched it. If I if did. You, I went if back you and watched it.
1: Becky's watched it. If you look yeah. at it, there's no denying what he's meaning. Right, and there's, there's no denying actually that the apology can't even be an apology based right. on what he said
4: that if you watch the entire tape it started with him saying you know I'm more concerned about grocery store shelves not having things on them and then as one of the other hosts was kind of beating up on him like are you kidding me you can't say this how can you say this when this is like the equivalent of a million people potentially 300,000 to a million people being and and he started backtracking a little at that point saying well you know until we fix things here in this country you can't say anything about any other country but you could see he said something got beat up about it for that started backpedaling on the podcast and then this statement coming out to clarify something last night was um very different than, than than what he intentionally said at the beginning.
3: Look, we're all as I always say, I mean, if there wasn't that quote in The Godfather, I don't know what I'd say. But we're all part of the same hypocrisy. I don't spend every day thinking about uh, children starving in Africa, and we should. I, and but and we don't do nearly enough. We live in these you know these beautiful places and and have n- none of the problems that a lot of people have, and we don't spend all our time thinking about them. So I understand. But that doesn't make me feel good about not thinking about it all the time. I realize that we probably shouldn't, and you could devote your life to issues like this, but I don't understand that comment at all. I mean, I guess if you just really wanna be honest that all of us could be doing a lot more to help those that need help.
1: He you... wasn't saying it like that though. <laughs> <He
3: wasn't laughs> what saying... the, how the hell would... okay. Then you, we're all agreeing on this, that that's just, that's a weird person to be. I wouldn't want to be that person, I guess. But I don't want to be judgmental again and feel like I, I hate that too. I hate thinking I'm better because we're all part of the same hypocrisy. Just never think it applies to my family.
0: And that is Squawk Pod for this Tuesday. Thanks for kicking off the short week with us. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern for the latest news, cogent analysis, and TV recommendations.
3: I watch Gunsmoke, and I watch Bonanza, and I watch (laughs) The Rifleman.
0: Follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll meet you back here tomorrow.
1: We are clear. Thanks, guys